Well, once again, good morning. Um, <clears throat> we are uh, observing the Ascension today. I, I think it, technically that was Thursday. Um, but I wanted to talk about the Ascension specifically um, as of Tuesday because of the events that happened on Tuesday. And uh, you'll see why that makes sense, I think, in a little bit. <clears throat> but it's hard. I've been a pastor for, I don't know, 13-ish years, actually almost to the day. And the number of times that I've had to address a congregation the day or the, you know, the week after or whatever, um, a, a violent event, a violent shooting in the U.S. Uh, is really high. I actually was trying to think back, and I couldn't quite remember how many times. Uh, and in fact, one time, the shooting actually happened down the street from where I lived. I was kind of surprised that I didn't hear the gunshots. And that's scary, and it's hard, and it raises a lot of questions, especially as you know details come out. Um, and then there's the predictable pattern of everything getting political and therefore very polarized, and therefore it's seemingly nothing ever actually gets done. And it's hard to make sense of that. Uh, now, for what it's worth, um, you know, I, I basically will never tell you how to vote. I will never tell you which party I think is the best party because I think kind of they're all terrible in their own certain way. Um, but I definitely resent the fact that, it, that this is a political issue because it makes it really hard to feel like any progress is going to be made. And in fact, I can feel my own self becoming quite cynical uh, in the wake of really such an enormous tragedy. It's, it's, all, it's, it's always harder when it's kids. Uh, the reason why I think the ascension is a very, very appropriate topic to talk about is that it, it, it kind of cuts to the heart of who we are as the church. And there's also a lot of misunderstanding surrounding the ascension. Um, as Jerry said, and actually Jerry, you teed me up, it's almost like we collaborated on that. Um, we didn't, but it sounds like the thing, kind of thing we probably should have, but we didn't, and it didn't matter. Um, Jesus ascends. It's like, there you go. And at least in my mind's eye, I imagine the disciples, I don't know, almost going, bye Jesus. I mean, what do you do? <laughs> but the reason why that is uh, imminently uh, applicable to some of the things we're talking about today is that when horrible tragedy strikes, either personally or nationally or whatever, it's very, very natural to say, where was God? Where was he? I know that God has intervened in, in certain things, that God has acted to prevent certain actions. Uh, we can see that actually happening in history. Um, I, I would hope that many of us can see that happening in our own lives. God at work. 
Um, but it raises some questions. What happened this time? Where was God? Now, this, uh, this kind of question, like, where's God in the face of evil, and where does evil come from in and of itself, and, and, and what, what kind of sense do we make of that, um, is a, well, th- there's a name for it. It's called theodicy, not the odyssey that was written by Homer, but theodicy. And uh, the Christian tradition, broadly speaking, has uh, many, many examples of theodicy, making sense of evil, making sense of where it comes from and its role and asking questions about God's will in the face of evil. Um, The problem is that those kinds of questions inevitably end in failure. Basically every single one of them. And I think that, that that's a good place to start. The Bible does not really explain where evil comes from. Um, The closest you get is sort of this idea of fallen angels, that there's uh, one in particular and and he rebelled against God and so it created kind of this rift. Um, But even that is not a satisfying explanation because it's like, well, why did God allow that? I don't know. We're not told. Why does God allow the serpent in the garden? I don't know. Why does God allow us to even have free will to make decisions that lead to things like Tuesday? I don't know. Um, One possible explanation is that we have free will because uh, if you want to actually have a a, a relationship based on love, it requires choice. Otherwise, that's not love, it's something else. Um, That always feels like it gets us halfway there. So, I guess what I'm trying to say is that I have no good response. I have no good answer. And uh, one of the things I really value about our Lutheran tradition is that we specifically do not do theodicy. We just assume it. We don't try to explain the origin of evil in a way that we can wrap it up in a nice neat package. Because to be honest, like life, you can't wrap life up in a nice, neat package. And so we just say, I don't know, to some of those questions. And the problem is that's deeply unsatisfying. Which brings us to, um, to the ascension. Jesus had been raised from the dead. He had spent 40 days with his disciples um, other accounts, or at least one other account, um, you know, ha- has like that, that, actually I can't remember if it's in this account or in another of the Gospels, um, but it, 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 the, the writer describes the disciples as worshiping Jesus and some, some were still kind of uneasy. 
And that's okay. It's okay to stand in the presence of God with some of life's deepest questions and be uneasy. From the Gospel of Mark, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. I can hold those together. That makes sense. But anyway, Jesus is standing there, and I I love the question that his disciples asked, like, Lord, are you now going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And I, again, in my imagination, see Jesus going, oh, are you serious? This is the question you're asking right now? Is it not clear by this point that the kingdom of Israel is being reshaped? (laughs) That the dead have been raised, like something new, something different is happening? That life as you know it is about to take a really sharp turn that you still apparently don't see coming? So then Jesus... Ascends. Notice I say that he ascends, not that he actually goes away. Because I think the the big uh, question or, or the big confusion is that it seems like Jesus just leaves. He's like, all right, I did what I was gonna do, I'm out of here. Peace. But that's not what the ascension is. As we say in the creeds and as uh, was in our reading in uh, Ephesians, that Jesus ascends to heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. That's language uh, that you would use to talk about a king. An enthronement. um, Taking charge. And that makes a lot more sense. Because the whole time throughout Jesus' career, he is saying that the kingdom of God is here. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is what it looks like when God is actually in charge. I would pose this rhetorical question to y'all. What does it look like or what would it look like if God were actually in charge? Because it's clear that in certain ways, God is not. Tuesday is a great example. But there are plenty of other indications that creation is still in this now and not yet, that that life and reality are not as God intends them to be. Um We've been, especially over this last week, finally pulling our house together. We have our stuff and we're getting things like organized and there's this just nasty tree in our backyard that's nothing but like thorns and sap and I hate it so much. And so we cut it down and it cut us in the process. And the whole time I'm thinking, this is not new creation. Um, That's meant to be a joke, but whatever. This is a heavy topic. We've got to let the pressure off a little bit occasionally. Um, but there are tremendous glimmers that the kingdom of God is breaking in. That's, that's how the kingdom works, apparently. That's how Jesus began the kingdom. 
Like imagine you're a disciple or you're a, somebody just kind of looking over and Jesus heals somebody. He actually says, if I, by the finger of God, heal this person, then the kingdom of God is here. Like there's, there are like these glimmers of hope, these glimmers that, uh, these moments where we realize that, that actually that's the real thing. That's the beautiful thing. And maybe everything else is actually just a parody, an enemy, a pretender to the throne. And the danger is us becoming convinced that that parody, that state of old creation is the reality. So Jesus ascends his throne And he tells his disciples to wait. It takes about a week. Uh, we'll be actually dealing with that next week. Um, that that this, this helper, this thing, really this person, because he uses personal pronouns, is coming. We would know now that that's the Holy Spirit. And then everything changes. And then suddenly it makes perfect sense why Jesus had to ascend. Because if he doesn't ascend, I mean, he, he, he is a body, he is human. Even after his resurrection, humans can only be in one place at one time, or at any given time. His presence would be limited by his body. But on his throne, his presence has no bounds. The Holy Spirit does not have that limitation. And as again, we'll talk about next week, when the Holy Spirit comes on Pentecost, it's God saying, all right, your turn. By the power of God's Spirit, as called, redeemed, forgiven, renewed people of God, it's your turn to do the work of God. I'm um, especially, you know, when, when tragedy happens, I'm, I'm, I always flash back to um, Mr. Rogers, um, Fred Rogers, who kind of came out of retirement or, or what have you, uh, post 9-11. And he, uh, uh, he, he actually, he is a, well, was a Christian. Uh, and he, he reminded people, uh, all of us who were hurt and trying to figure out how to make sense of things, he always said, look for the helpers. Or he said that his mom would tell him that. Look for the helpers. And so, so maybe in response to kind of, uh, to unspeakable evil, like Tuesday, um, maybe God calls us to be the helpers. Actually, I know he does. To be people of the resurrection who, by the power of God's Spirit and his prompting, to, to say, this is old creation. This is the parody, the fake, the pretender to the throne that is just a lie.
and to then be the help to be what it means if God were actually in charge. Now, my final point is, is this. Um, in theology, you talk about like God revealing God's self. Like, what does that look like? What does that mean? And um, the clearest way to see what God is like is to look at Jesus. Jesus ascended on the throne, but also Jesus who was born, who lived, who got sick, who had to grow up, who had to work, who had to study and learn, who had to teach, who wept, who experienced loss, who saw tragedy firsthand, who died brutally, and then who conquered death. God is not a God of escape, but, of a, but he is a God of engagement. Who rather than running from the tragedy or hiding or pretending like it doesn't happen and getting lost in his own world of distraction and video games and TV and movies and whatever else, rather God is one who runs to the hurting. And by his spirit, he calls us to do the same. Amen. I invite you to rise.